You are listening to the Blockchain Dialogues podcast. All views expressed on this show are for educational purposes only and not meant to be taken as financial advice. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Blockchain Dialogues podcast with your hosts Krishna and Nikhil. In this podcast series, we analyze various cutting-edge technologies and projects in the field of blockchains, DLTs, and cryptocurrencies. Today, we are joined again by Rob Viglioni, who is the CEO at Horizon Labs. Rob, great to have you here again. I must tell you that uh, in our four plus years of doing this podcast, you are the very first guest to appear on the show for a second time. <laughs> I'm super honored. Thanks. For, thank you for having me, guys. No, it's absolutely great to have you. And I know it's been a couple of years, and uh, a lot has changed in the crypto and blockchain industry in this time. So uh, really excited to know from you how Horizon is doing, mm-hmm. what has changed for you as a protocol, as a company, and mm-hmm. uh, how you view the industry today. So uh, looking forward to chatting with you about a bunch of different stuff. So welcome back. Well, I did have the good fortune to see you in Austin, Krishna, recently, sort of recently. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I mean, a lot to talk about. And I think that's the really cool thing here is, um, you know, we could all go back and listen to the original uh, interview and we can compare that with what we have today and in a way it's kind of a an interesting evolution of the industry itself sure yeah and as you mentioned like uh, just for our audience the previous episode that we did with rob was exactly two years back it was in july 2021 you had just launched zendu at that time and mm-hmm. zendu is horizon sidechain solution and uh, we took a deep dive into the workings of the protocol uh, you had talked about the working of zk snarks a little bit so uh, before we discuss the technology of Horizon as of today, uh, we'd love to take a recap of how the protocol works, uh, what are some of its key features, what is the role of ZK Snarks uh, in the Zendo ecosystem. Mm-hmm. But uh, to start off, before we do the recap and uh, look at the tech of the protocol, uh, I'd love to know from you, as the CEO of Horizon Labs, uh, I'm sure you've had a front row seat to a bunch of different changes that the industry has seen, mm-hmm. from the rise of DeFi to the uh, hype around NFTs, introduction of metaverses. So just from your perspective, how do you see the space today compared to two years back? Hmm. I, would, um, I would say from a builder's perspective, even more exciting. Uh, with, some, with some important caveats we can talk about, um, but certainly a couple of years back, there was more hype in the industry, more hype around the technology, more hype around you know, these different projects and their tokens that were hitting the market in, in the bull market cycle that was happening. Um, but I, I do have to say that the building hasn't stopped. And that's why looking at things from my vantage point now, it's kind of remarkable to see that, you know, all of the serious projects have just continued developing and continued building utilities, continue building product, um, and the industry moves forward. That, that's great to know. I mean, glad to hear that, you know, the, the building is still on and <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the, there's still a lot of interest, you know, Me too. From, yeah. from developers and, <laughs> and from multiple directions. Uh, so to take a look at the protocol uh, in detail, uh, let's start off with a recap of what is Horizon, sure. what is the Zendu protocol, how it is different from some of the other protocols out there, uh, how ZK Snarks is used in the ecosystem. Yeah. Uh, so from what I understand, uh, you have a Horizon main chain and you have side chains that communicate with this main chain. And uh, Zendu is the protocol for the cross-chain transfer of tokens between the main chain and the side chains. Exactly. So you have uh, forward transfers, which are 
transactions that originate on the main chain and go to the side chains. And then you have backward transfers, which are basically transactions that go from the side chains to the main chain. Uh, and ZK Snarks basically gives you the ability to have these different side chains with their own rules, have their own privacy decoupled from the main chain, uh, at the same time be able to communicate and transfer data with the main chain in a completely decentralized and verifiable way. So is that a good intro or overview? Um, I think that you should be marketing Horizon uh, more than I should be because <laughs> that was actually the perfect description. Um, I, I have nothing more to add um, other than I can say our, our tagline is probably probably too technical for a mainstream audience. Our, our tagline has been the snark enabled network of blockchains for exactly the reason that not for the reasons that you you stated. Um, and we could talk about any of those elements, but I, I guess the main point is that we, we have a main blockchain, the, our main chain, the Horizon main chain, that's essentially a settlement layer for proofs. Um, that's the way that we look at it. Um, and I think that that's also a way that the industry, it's a direction the industry is taking. Um, people even talking about that, like the Bitcoin uh, blockchain being a settlement layer for snark, you know, snark proofs at some point. Um, not today, but, um, you know, so beyond that, it's uh, other, L, like you can look at it as what we call an L0. And then other chains could network to it seamlessly, like you said. Um, and, and what does networking mean? It means that they can launch their own their own blockchain, have their own consensus, their own logic, rules, um, tokenomics, whatever it is. And we have a cryptographic bridge between that chain and the Horizon main chain. And the Horizon main chain uh, processes um, zero knowledge proofs of or snark proofs of um, you know uh, state tra transitions on uh, these other blockchains. Perfect. Cool. Uh, actually, so this this is uh, uh, one thing I think w also st makes Horizon stand out is that when you said it processes state transitions, that's that's an interesting choice of words, right? Because uh, usually when you say uh, it does things between a side chain and main chain, it's in the in terms of transactions or financial things. Mm -hmm. And can you ex expand on how? Uh, using ZK Snacks, it makes it possible for you to actually do more than just transactions uh, between sidechain and main chain. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, the, the reality is, so I, I use state because that's the general correct term of. Uh -huh. you know, generally, we we uh, want to prove any type of uh, change on you know state for a contract or or an asset transfer. Um, today, what uh, is proved between sidechain and mainchain is actually uh, state of Zen transactions. So it is actually a financial uh, transaction okay. flow that, that's being captured there and, and proven on the mainchain. Um, that said, we actually do have quite a bit of cryptographic work in uh, doing a few things to extend that. So the first point for us of going to market was to be able to just enable this networking between them. And networking in this case, exactly what you said, Nikhil, most people talk about in the industry is being able to transfer Zen cryptocurrency between uh, these different chains. The next thing that we have now is we've just uh, completed a messaging protocol, so you can actually send information between chains uh, today. Right. And then the, the next from there is we want to be able to prove uh, broader chain state. So this goes into uh, kind of our roadmap at Horizon is, um, yeah, two years ago, we released this networking or this communication protocol. Um, but there wasn't anything there to mean to communicate with today. Now we have uh, our first important runtime environment there, which is an EVM chain, an Ethereum virtual machine, um, you know, based blockchain. So it's it's basically all everything you would expect in 
you know, Ethereum or Ethereum-like ecosystem is there, including just the contract structures and like, a, you know, account structure for um, contracts, for addresses. And the next step from there would be, we, we definitely want to be able to prove more than just transferring digital assets. But we did start with the digital asset one because that's where a lot of the, you know, applications these days are. Right. And and uh, so uh, one of the things that always was interesting to me, especially now you're talking about Eon and you're kind of building on these things. So as a developer, what what is the language with which I build on your network? Because uh, Eon, you said it's an EVM, uh, that Ethereum virtual machine, does that mean that I have to use Solidity or does that mean that it's a much lower level and I can use something like Viper or any of the other, uh, you know, approved uh, EVM uh, languages to build on it? Yeah, no, I, I mean, so it, it's an EVM where, I, so if you're doing smart contract development, I mean, Solidity is obviously the easiest and most recognized uh, or used mm-hmm. uh, uh, language, but um, any any other language in theory, and we haven't actually built the, the tools for it yet, but we are integrating okay. very rapidly other developer tools to extend it. But right now, uh, the focus for development is in Solidity. Is in Solidity. Yeah, right. okay. yeah exactly. Cool. So the EVM now uh, is, you can build it on uh, on your sidechain. You can use the EVM as part of your, you know, node, the sidechain nodes. Uh, and uh, uh, you can build smart contracts on that. Uh, so what does Eon bring now that makes it, well, I mean, why would I actually build on Eon on, on Zendu and uh, Horizon mm-hmm. versus just doing Ethereum and EVM. Yeah, and that's uh, it's kind of funny because this is the the age-old question for <laughs> this this uh, big competitive space that we're in right now. And our marketing yeah. team uh, kind of jokingly says it's exactly the same, guys. Again, like EVMs and EVM. Uh, that said, that's sort of a joke. <laughs> of, like literally, it's a standard, and we're meant to just conform with the standard here. Um, but there are other reasons though. So I, I mean, this is in, in like not all of the reasons are technical. Some of them are. Um, so on the yeah. technical side, um, like my company, Horizon Labs, we specialize in cryptographic engineering and zero knowledge, you know, uh, cryptography. Obviously we talked about that, but, uh, we're releasing a set of tools for developers on Eon to actually be able to, uh, more easily incorporate cryptographic primitives and in particular, uh, zero knowledge proof technology into their applications. So what we're doing in, in yeah, yes, like this, these are being released as smart contracts. So yes, anyone could take these and bring them to any other EVM, but we're coupling this with the kind of the softer stuff of what we do. So the hack, the hackathons that we fund, the developer grants that we have, um, just the, the, you know, leverage and capability of our team um, that we have is going towards encouraging uh, privacy oriented application development on our chain. Um, so in terms of competitive posturing, we're positioning ourselves towards the privacy interested um, segment of the market. And, um, and that goes beyond like coin anonymity. In fact, we, we actually um, are disabling coin anonymity on, on our L0 for Zen. Mm-hmm. And we're enabling a bunch of other tools for data privacy and application privacy. Um, so that's one angle of it. And just the focus point of our marketing and our business development efforts and our engineering support to developers is around encouraging a clustering of those types of applications. Um, and then going beyond that, it's, we, we have some other just kind of pragmatic software things of it's a new EVM chain that's launching. And as such, it's launching with a variety of very interesting, important partners, everything from 
you know, bridges to uh, DeFi protocols, to oracles, to data indexers and a variety of other tools. But it represents a first mover opportunity for people that want to move on here. We have a vibrant community that's just been waiting for this. Um, and now um, you, you as a developer have an opportunity to be one of the first, if not the first, for certain types of applications or protocols to be deployed here. Um, that could be interesting. And then paired with that, obviously, we have the, you know, this, the same suite of uh, or similar suite of developer incentives and grant programs and stuff and such like that so that others can come on and build. Um, and then I would say that you know, other pragmatic things like transaction costs are dirt cheap right now. Um, there are an, other EVMs as well, but they're not on Ethereum and some other platforms. So with us, because it is a, a new platform uh, as part of our uh, smart contracting extension to Horizon, uh, transaction fees are, are basically trivial. Right. That's that's a that's a, a pretty nice kind of a broad statement. I just want to kind of uh, double click into a couple of things uh, over there. One you said basically uh, you mentioned the frames the phrase that you did Eon to kind of embrace the standards. So right. uh, so there is this larger concept now in the ecosystem, the blockchain ecosystem about the emergence of standards, right? Yes. And obviously uh, it is kind of now almost acknowledged that hey, Ethereum is the uh, the EVM and the Ethereum, uh, this thing is the uh, place where the developers are. And so if you want to kind of, it's almost becoming like a de facto standard. Mm -hmm. From your perspective, Rob, uh, how does this affect or how has this kind of impacted your internal roadmap? Because if I'm not mm -hmm. mistaken, if I remember correctly, earlier uh, in your, when you were doing Zendu and all that, uh, at least in the tutorials, uh, you were using Java, right, to mm -hmm. build these things. Right. So is that kind of evolved now to kind of uh, focus on a more JavaScript solidity type of thing, or is it still going to be the underlying tooling and then you, the EVM is just for the smart contracts? No, no, you're, you're exactly right. So actually, if we were to rewind two years ago, uh, the first uh, developer toolkit that we had, our, our SDK, was built well, using those tools. But importantly, under the hood was a UTXO-based uh, blockchain. So basically yeah. like a, a Cardano-like blockchain is what we were deploying with our SDK. And we realized the standard's EVM. Um, so we actually, we did deploy that. It, it's a chain that's on mainnet today, but it was, uh, it's called Token Mint. And we launched it um, and then didn't support it in the sense that we launched it more as a POC and didn't really support it as a production environment that we put a lot of resources into. Uh, and certainly no right. business development or, you know, um, growth onto it. And we pivoted. Um, just the, the hard reality was um, it's EVM. You know, it's smart contracting is EVM and everyone wants it. And it's really kind of an entry point. It's not the be all end all, but it's if every ecosystem these days to scale um, needs, needs EVM. Or not everyone. Obviously, there are some others out there that, that don't, but they're rare. So, so uh, just to go back a little bit on the development side, so uh, the tooling that you're building, obviously, uh, it will be around EVM and all that. Mm -hmm. But like as a developer, if I want to kind of uh, build my sidechain right today, yep. uh, can I still use the uh, earlier Java SDKs or yes. is there a new kind of, a, uh, are you evolving those to a new kind of a, a set of tools? Uh, so you can, you can still use them, but... Um... You know that you would be launching a UTXO-based chain, and in just the the usability of the chain. So if you're launching like a say an app chain where it has a single application is its purpose, then you know I would say it would work. Um, it would work, right. and the benefit is that you would still be part of this interconnected network, um, sort of like IBC is in 
Cosmos, yeah, yeah. you would have that here. So there would still be benefits to you to do it. And if you could write a simple application that maybe was optimized, or if, if not optimized, could at least run well with the UTXO-based chain, then mm-hmm. you can absolutely do it. Um, and you can code it in Java and you know um, deploy it, and you'd be part of this network. So, so it's there. As a company, though, I, I would say that um, a company, or as we've been going out to market and our sales team and you know, BD teams have been talking to different partners and doing sales, we realize that the majority of uh, people's needs or what they want these days is in the EVM world. Cool. So just uh, getting a little further into that. Uh, so when we're talking about you've launched your e- Eon as an EVM that you have launched. Obviously, that standard's compatible with the virtual machine code, right? So the yellow exactly. paper uh, yes. uh, stuff. But the underlying guts of it, obviously, is still built on top of Zen, Horizon, and, and the Zendu protocol, correct? Right. Uh, so you will be having ZK Snarks under, underneath for the transactions, for example, and all of that. So uh, w- one thought I had was, okay, when you talked about emergence of standards, when you look at Ethereum, there are mm-hmm. uh, there is this idea of this you know, the yellow paper and there is a, a specification around which you can build EVMs, clients of multiple multiple companies too, right? You have the uh, go the get client and the parity client and you've got uh, other clients I'm sure I'm blanking on. Uh, is that kind of the approach that Zen, uh, Zendu, uh, the Horizon uh, as a company is going to, uh, going down or is that, mm. uh, are you kind of still kind of saying, okay, no, we'll build the, We'll build it custom. Uh, this is our node. Uh, it's it's EVM. Uh, it meets the EVM specification. You can deploy a smart contracts on it, but under the hood, it is uh, going to kind of uh, talk a different language and use different technologies. Yeah. So uh, a few things there. So one, and just one technical point is we actually integrated in the the Geth client or the Go Goeth client. Oh, okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So we we integrated that in, and then we we integrated basically. Um, the CCTP or cross-chain transfer protocol with Zendu uh, into that. And then that's the SDK uh-huh. that we have currently. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> now, the, the strategy for us is actually to, um, the standard for us, the spec, the spec that everyone who wants to be part of this ecosystem just has to follow is the that CCTP. And beyond that, you can integrate anything in. And in fact, um, my company is looking at integrating in another popular SDK from another ecosystem. Um, and, and just going with the idea of um, there are some really, uh, there are popular and important runtime environments out there in the world. EVM is mm-hmm. one of them. There are others. Uh, and beyond even runtime environments, there are just better SDKs that are more supported, more widely used. Um, what our strategy is now is is going to be to integrate them in, to, to integrate in our CCTP so that now you have an alternative to IBC. Um, so it is an example. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and I know we talked about this uh, kind of offline, and, and I'll bring it up here for the guest, is um, we are looking at um, integrating uh, our uh, crossing transfer protocol as a module into the Cosmos SDK. Um, so oh, this awesome. Is, yeah, I, I'm super pumped for this. To me, this is one of the most exciting things that we're doing because now this right. means that any, um, any developer who wants to use the most important uh, SDK out there, or one of them, um, widely supported um, with a ton of other modules that make it interesting and useful, can grab the Cosmos yeah, SDK yeah. and just import in the Horizon module. And you're, you're connected to our network now as an alternative to IBC. 
Right. Uh, we actually did a couple of episodes on uh, Cosmos and the Cosmos ecosystem. Nice. Yeah. So uh, that's 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 great to hear. So basically, the way I see it now, it's kind of like uh, Horizon and uh, uh, is becoming kind of like this almost meta protocol where you're kind of, uh, say, you know, like an octopus, you kind of like have integrations into these other protocols as well. Yes, exactly. That's how we look at it. That's our strategy. Yeah. So if you if you kind of uh, look at it in terms of uh, so these are this is this is this is a very important thing, right? Interoperability. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as a developer, like uh, I've been a developer for a while, and I know that every new protocol or new thing that you interoperate with, you're increasing complexity, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, as complexity increases, it becomes harder and it becomes more difficult to be secure uh, it, and, and to be kind of make sure that your code is performant, your code is easy to understand. Uh, I mean, lack of understanding is where basically security holes and stuff come from. So what is your thought and what is your approach on kind of making sure that, hey, when we're doing these things, we are not kind of shooting ourselves in the foot by adding so much mm-hmm. complexity into our uh, underlying uh, backbone uh, or underlying blockchain ecosystem that uh, we kind of get into trouble later. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a great question. And I'll give you maybe a micro example um, from our uh, our history was um, we, we, we probably only recently um, uh-huh. Uh, made this transition and, and you know, the transition could be embodied best with this idea that we're going to just integrate, build a module to integrate it to the Cosmos SDK versus the current SDK that we have is one that has, I think it maintains five separate pieces of software, each of them with their own vulnerabilities and complexities and putting them all together and being the primary maintainer of all of them is a real pain in the butt. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, it, it doesn't go to the ethos of what I think this Web3 thing is doing is by, um, you know, the idea of modularity and composability so that you can just, you know, take the best, take the best of what exists out there and piece it together in interesting ways and connect it with everyone else is the way they were looking at it now. So we, we certainly are very cognizant of um, the risks of complexity when you build things on top of other things on top of other things. And I think that we mm-hmm. do, the way you do away with that is by um, adopting just a culture of modularity and make sure that you're modularizing right. everything you do and you're taking components in a modular fashion. And when you want to upgrade something, you upgrade the component. So that, that's the approach yeah. we're taking now. Okay. So basically, extremely modular, componentized, uh, API-driven uh, internal API kind of a thing. So one component talks uh, to each other. So that's that's one great approach, one one good approach. Another approach that uh, just occurred to me, and uh, the one that Cosmos and Polkadot are using, is to involve other entities, right? Uh, mm-hmm. To fund or grant uh, other companies or other groups of people to yeah. kind of own parts of this, right? So, yeah. <laughs> like uh, uh, Cosmos basically has a whole different company kind of building their EVM version of mm-hmm. the thing and somebody else is building uh, another focused side chain. Uh, what do you think of that approach? Do you think that's, that's something that uh, you feel is uh, viable or or do you feel that it's too early in the day and Horizon is still kind of, we're still kind of uh, baking the uh, cake, so, so to speak? And yeah, you, you know, we're probably uh, nearing this inflection point where we need to move away from baking the cake to uh, sharing it. Uh, so we're uh, we're close, I would say. and And I think that Getting, um, so getting the, the, at least the first, like, um, you know, runtime environment, the, the EVM integration, I think was the most important thing we've done today. I mean, th- there was 
if you look at our chronology, Zendu to market, great, but it was kind of these great expectations, but well, an interoperability protocol is only as useful as what you're connecting, right? And there wasn't anything right. there yet to connect. Um, yeah. Then we did this token mint thing, which was really a demonstration that, hey, the protocol works and we could launch something into, you know, onto mainnet, but it wasn't something that mm-hmm. we were supporting, um, you know, as a production environment. And now there's EVM. So the EVM um, is actually live. And this is something we we dark launched it. And, um, you know, we actually haven't done any marketing yet or, or told anyone other than our partners. But I'll just say it here is, uh, yeah, uh, Eon is live on mainnet. And uh, we're officially doing the alpha launch of it. And by, by the launch, I mean, just t- letting the world know that it's there. Um, we've already wow. been sharing, okay. yeah, yeah, like our um, RPC API to our partners so that they can integrate in, and we already have like a a range of partners have already integrated onto mainnet, so we're super pumped. But that's just the start. I I think it's going to be the rest of the year is going to be about integrating important protocols there, launching uh, DeFi, launching NFT environments, launching NL2 on it, and like, launching the, the the basics of what you would expect in any other EVM ecosystem. While that happens, we're going to be, um, we're, like I said, looking at uh, another popular SDK integration. Um, and if we can end the year or maybe shortly, you know, say sometime in the next six months, maybe it's end of year, maybe it's a little after. Um, once we hit that, I would call that like the cake has been baked. And now we have, mm. yeah, now we have the interop protocol and now we have like the important runtime environment and we have uh, best in class SDK. At that point, I think now we need to look outward. Um, and, and, you know, like I say at that point, but the reality is even as of now, we're like, we're going to be launching a DAO that's in process right now. The DAO will have a grant program. We will be bringing on a lot of other partners, giving them grants to build. But I would say once we hit that point where we have the best in class SDK available as well, then I think it's off to the races and get like really uh, important partners to come in and launch their own chains in this ecosystem. And then have those chains uh, be able to, you know, have this, like, what? Then we focus on the core question or the core problem for us is to be competitive. I think we focus entirely on the question of why would anyone uh, import the Horizon module to, to their SDK? Like, why would they do that? Right. Like, that's the question. I think that that's an interoperability story. Um, right. And, and that's a great question. In fact, that was one of the questions I was going to ask. Uh, so uh, <laughs> we obsess so over basically, it. It's the question. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, so this this is all very exciting, right? So you 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 so you've set yourself this goal. End of the year, you're you're going to be ready. You said the cake is going to be baked, and all of this uh, all of this is go. But uh, the reality of the matter is that you've also got. Uh, you know, on the one hand, Ethereum also mm-hmm. having baked their cake, they've gone into their POS mm-hmm. system. Now they've kind of started building, bringing in the rest of the pieces of their, uh, uh, of their ecosystem over into POS and, uh, in the V2, uh, world. And you have Cosmos on here and then you have Polkadot and, uh, Cardano and all of these others. Mm-hmm. So you've got, I mean, not to put too fine a point on it. You, there are a lot of people, well, not a lot, but a good number of people who've got, uh, strong developer platforms with SDKs and with you know all these developer tooling for you, and uh, I mean the, uh, the ready for for a customer or a developer to kind of start building, right? Yeah. And uh, one of the things interestingly uh, that uh, I saw uh, when uh, in your uh, uh, in the consensus a conference that you did uh, both Kik and I were impressed by was was your interesting take on enterprise and mm. where, where I, I remember where you came back and said 
well, the next billion users aren't going to be consumers. They're there to, uh, for whatever, the X number of reasons, right? Too scared, <laughs> too, too volatile, whatever. They're not going to be the ones who, who are going to directly go and start developing stuff. Right. What what you really need to do is try to get companies into it and and try to get businesses to start building things and uh, big businesses at that who are able to uh, you know uh, invest the kind of investments uh, that you'd probably have to do. Right. So uh, I just thought maybe you could kind of uh, give us a taste of uh, you know what your view is in terms of Horizon uh, mm-hmm. and and the enterprise. Yeah, and I just wanted to quickly jump in and say, like like Nikhil mentioned, you know, I was at Consensus and I had the uh, privilege to hear uh, Rob speak on this topic. And I'm actually glad that you're one of the speakers that actually addressed this big <laughs> elephant in the room uh, and took this topic head on, you know, as to why enterprises haven't adopted blockchain or crypto tech as yet. Right. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, you know, the in the last 10 years, many enterprises have dabbled with it yeah. uh, to some degree, but most experiments have sort of backtracked. So yeah, like Nikhil mentioned, would love to know your, your thoughts on you know what has been lacking and what is you know the path forward. Well, guys, this is an elephant to talk about, and there's a lot here. So <laughs> maybe maybe uh, if we can parse this out, where maybe I talk about why I, I what the problems have been. So um, Christian, to your yeah, point, sure. yeah, yeah, start there, and then I could talk about strategically how we look at it within Horizon uh, of specifically solving those problems. So it makes sense to start with the problems. Um, Okay, so uh, if we just list the problems, I mean, some of them, you know, probably the you know, some of the most important ones. Uh, well, it, it's challenging from a, a user experience perspective to to be in Web three and to connect Web two into Web three. And the reality is, Web two works really well. There are multi billion mm-hmm. dollar businesses out there, and what they're doing today works for them. And transitioning to this, just like transitioning to any new technology, has frictions. But some of the frictions are like not all frictions are created equal. Like some of them that I would call the the biggest ones are. Um, Regulatory uncertainty is um, right. right now really hurting the industry. You know, what enterprise that has a, a multi-billion dollar business wants to go stake their future into an environment that they're not sure will be illegal next year, right? Um, so that's one where I, I think that uh, until we really have uh, more clarity around the regulatory environment, we will continue to see experiments and probably only experiments. Maybe some things will take off, but it'll be more things on the margin. And it's kind of this whole like, melting a glacier kind of concept of, you know, that typically they, they start melting on the edges. And I think that that's how right. we, just, you know, we see this like dabbling concept. Um, others are, are pragmatic in the sense that um, a lot of enterprises don't want to touch, don't want to, or literally cannot per their treasury rules, touch crypto, cryptocurrency or custody cryptocurrency. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in most of the platforms that are out there, if you want to participate in Web3, you need cryptocurrency to post transactions. Um, that's also horrible from a user perspective that the way that it exists today, it's um, transaction fees are levied onto users as they broadcast transactions. Could you imagine like Twitter, if you had to pay some microtransaction every time you liked or retweeted something, uh, would yeah, give, you, no, give you absolutely. pause. You give you pause, right? Evan, <laughs> yeah. Evan you, you just have to look at Twitter yeah. today, right? <laughs> they started trying to yeah. uh, force people, uh, you know, put rate limits and uh, uh, charge people for stuff, and uh, it's not doing well at all. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I, I mean, then there's this concept beyond just the, the friction of cryptocurrencies. There's the volatility of cryptocurrencies, which is really tough terrible for, um, you know, platforms and for, for like user facing platforms or businesses. Um, from a business perspective, businesses typically want to um, match their supply chains with their inflows and their outflows from supply chains to, you know, 
um, you know, expenses to revenues. You want to match those in the same currency. And, you know, vendors typically aren't in the Forex business. Um, mm-hmm. and, and then also just, you know, um, like to, to use Bitcoin or Zen or some other cryptocurrency on an application uh, when the reality is everyone in the U.S. uses dollars, everyone in Europe uses euros and so forth. Um, just is a friction that's just unnecessary and it slows people down. So I, we, we have a lot of problems and also um, just lack of creativity and imagination, I would say, on the part of people building useful applications. Like there's been this mentality of let's go try to redo everything and, and build it from scratch in Web3. And I think that that's just the wrong approach. I think that integrating uh, Web2 systems into Web3 for just the components that make sense is probably the way to go. Right and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of agree with. I, I remember uh, one of the things uh, uh, I used to be uh, one of those enterprise people that you talked about, uh, uh, consulting for them uh, at one point, and uh, uh, we used to pitch different things from right from you know supply chain automation. Mm-hmm. I mean the the uh, to trade finance and stuff like that, and the thing that a lot of them, uh, a lot of the more larger enterprises were more excited about was the audit logging. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because, Something so simple. Right. Yeah, it's a very simple thing, but yeah. it kind of like addresses a pretty niche uh, area. Right. But of course, it didn't work out because obviously nobody's going to pay $100 a transaction for audit, right. for logging I and mean, auditing auditing data. And right. the amount of data uh, as well is not kind of... Uh, feasible on a blockchain but uh, I mean at that time at least but uh, you're right in the sense that I don't think that uh, going to a consumer and saying hey uh, uh, now you've in I will give you a super private super secure network and you'll be able to send a message super privately to each other but hey it's going to cost a dollar every message (laughs) right exactly I do it today Uh, on uh, signal right (laughs) so yeah yeah exactly so yeah. that's the, the definitely, I think, uh, uh, businesses and enterprises probably are uh, also wary of that particular aspect of it. Yeah, so I, I agree. And so if we put everything I just said uh, on pause and then go to another, uh, what I think are like facts on the ground is that uh-huh. or th- there are um, certainly very valuable use cases that Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and Web3 have already created today. Um, so Bitcoin as... You can consider like a juris- jurisdiction independent, like a legal jurisdiction independent, um, you know, um, store of value. So far, very successful. There's a lot of a lot of money in there, and it's actually life changing for some people in, in some parts of the world. Um, Ethereum and other EVM based chains as being world's computers for you know the ability to, of having like uh, uh, um, autonomously and automatically and persistently executing smart contracts or, you know, code yeah. that happens. Amazing. And definitely a breakthrough, um, new value that's now on the world. And then there are things beneath that that work with it, like, uh, the different decentralized finance, DeFi, uh, and other types of applications that have been popular. Um, and some of them, you, maybe we can rank them based on those that add real value to the world. But I would say that having like, um, you know, for some people around the world, depending where you live, having like a decentralized bank account without a bank, is pretty cool and being able to earn yield on it. Pretty cool. And being able to, you know, do swaps for assets that you would never, you know, before have access to. Like, it's not like in the pre web three world, everyone around the world had access to the NASDAQ or New York stock exchange. 
right? So being able to do that and access synthetic assets anywhere in the world, anytime, being able to trade them, I do think offers real value to humanity. So all that said, this brings real people on chain. And the, the larger the mass of real people on chain, ultimately, the larger the incentive for enterprises to come on chain. So like what, what we, we talk about internally at Horizon Labs is, um, you know, we're, we're actively going out there and doing sales to enterprises. And, you know, we just recently started, by the way. Um, and um, you're trying to get enterprises to come on chain. We're doing it in the way that I talked about where we're not trying to pitch them to, you know, whole hog switch over to Web3, but just think about certain components of Web3 integrating into their current stack. But at the same time, we have the, the expectation that once there's a critical mass of customers of these companies that are already on chain, they're going to come on chain. You know, and that's just the reality of it. And it's probably this, you know, I don't know what the lead lag aspect of it is. Um, or you can just see big companies coming on chain with maybe a massive company like Starbucks with a loyalty program that might work well on chain uh, or something else. And that brings millions of users on chain. I'm not sure what it is, but I do know yeah. that this is the future. And at some point, there will be such an overwhelming critical mass of people on chain that every business in the world will want to access that in some capacity. Yeah, if I, if I can 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 make a small comment on that, I think one kind of uh, major mental shift that needs to happen uh, in order for people to embrace uh, Web three, right? Uh, and and one of the things that uh, I think people haven't quite fully grasped uh, how to do it, and part of it might be uh, the whole challenge of or. Uh, you know, cryptocurrencies being a completely different world from right. regular currencies uh, is is the the this concept of uh, a transaction and exchange of value, right? Right. And uh, every time you talk to somebody, at least when I talk to people, they kind of say, "Oh, I have to pay uh, one Ethereum for this." All the examples will be in terms of round numbers of Bitcoin mm -hmm. or Ethereum, right? <laughs> And that is that is basically yeah. the wrong thing because right. uh, when when uh, when you're talking to somebody in terms of uh, BTC and Ethereum or whatever, all of these basically are in the thousands of dollars, exactly. right? So when they do the mental calculation, I'm an I'm an Indian. I I keep mentally calculating between different <laughs> currencies all the time. <laughs> right? um, one of the things basically is like, uh, you know, you say, uh, oh, it's going to cost me a B one BTC. It'll take you, you you know, I'll, I'll, I'll move transfer one BTC over to you <laughs> and you transfer uh, half a BTC over to the pizza guy. Yeah. And I'm like thinking whether oh, the pizza is going to cost you know, fifteen thousand bucks. I'm not going to pick that. <laughs> right? so, it's, so true. I, it's true. Yeah. So I think that is one thing that, uh, as an industry, I think we've not actually uh, been able to sell is the concept of you know really, 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 really small amounts. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, like Satoshi's mm -hmm. and uh, you know uh, Gwei and all of that, right? Yep. So the uh, that I think is one thing that is going to be very important when when we talk to enterprise because I'm I'm guaranteeing you there'll be a bunch of developers, a bunch of people sitting over there and doing those mental calculations as well and trying to say, hey, hey, this doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah, and uh, and uh, so so one is that, and the other one is also. In terms of a business, they will be doing this projecting as okay, fine. It's going to cost me uh, a cent now, but if uh, if if this is going to be one cent per transaction, 
what happens if this becomes really successful, right? Yes, because exactly. a lot of this basically is a scaling problem. They'll say, yes. okay, so then if I have to pay a cent a transaction and I become really successful, I'm uh, I'm going to bankrupt myself because right. uh, you know this this is this is not worth the profit, right? Yeah. And so I think one of the things over there. Uh, it, and maybe this is a business opportunity or maybe this is a uh, some other uh, company that comes up and does it is this idea of conversion or <laughs> even mediating hmm. uh, uh, putting in uh, rails or payment rails or some kind of mm-hmm. uh, a way to take away this particular aspect of it right from it yeah. so so you can you can basically come and say okay uh, you don't have to worry about how the money is going to come. I'll give you the money. You just give me dollars. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, uh, or how this how this how these currencies and how these tokens get exchanged, and and that might be also uh, something that is blocking consumers as well, mm-hmm. right? Because you can basically say, okay, no, no, it's going to be you know uh, a tenth of a penny uh, for your signal message, and I might be okay with that. But if I have no way to kind of, uh, uh, I mean, if I, if I have to go through the hassle of creating a wallet and mm-hmm. uh, going to Binance and buying uh, uh, the Zen and, yeah. and then converting that and then and then connecting the wallet to the Signal app, it's still too much of a hassle for me to do, right? Yeah. So uh, all of these kind of things, you, you mentioned UX earlier. Uh, and I think uh, when a lot of people talk about UX, they talk about, they think about UI, and that's not not actually the same, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the user experience of these backend processes, right? It should be invisible. There should not be anything that you have to particularly do other than download an app in order to use it. I agree. But the way I look at it is um, this whole way three thing is a giant petri dish for entrepreneurs around the world. And the barriers are much lower than in most other industries to get in um, and to start building. So I look at all of these things as, yeah, I agree. I agree with everything that you said. I think they're all issues, but I think each none of them are insurmountable. Some of them like the... Can I, can I kind of like quickly just... Uh, I mean, in what way do you say that it is easier for somebody to do Web3 than Web2? Oh, uh, so I, I mean to really enter the industry because you could write a smart contract over a weekend and deploy it onto the world computer. Like you don't need to go to Silicon well, Valley I mean, and raise uh, money. To, to put my devil's advocate hat on, uh, I could do the same and deploy it into AWS. Sure. No, you're, you're right. You could, <laughs> right? But so, but but you can issue a token on, on your protocol that you just launched and you can raise money that way instantly or not instantly. Exactly. But, so you know. I think those are the things, right? So right. the idea of, okay, yeah, you can put it out to AWS, but you're paying for it and nobody else is going to pay for exactly. it. Exactly. And uh, there is no, you have to build a business model around yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, and until you build a business model around it, you're, you're going to be, it's going to be a cost for you. Right. Uh, the, so the argument should be kind of like, okay, Web3 kind of allows you to build a networked uh, community uh, that is self-sustaining, right? And that doing that is much easier. Yeah, and the infrastructure costs are paid but as a public good. And, uh, yeah, exactly. Right? So, And you have the ability to access capital markets, global capital markets, and you have the, the ability where users can pay transaction costs instead of you. Actually, it just, it just occurred to me. So yeah. this would, for example, right, if you take, uh, we were talking about Twitter and, uh, and, 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 and where it's going. 
And one of the alternatives that has now very strongly come up, and I'm I'm actually on, is Mastodon, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Fediverse, as they say. Yeah. Uh, and, and Mastodon is actually just one company in the Fediverse. Right. But uh, one of the things that is always a sticking point for me, and one of the things that kind of worry me about this particular ecosystem is, well, how do you know that these servers are not going to go belly up? Because mm-hmm. most of them are volunteers. Uh, who are doing this uh, in their spare time. Mm-hmm. So the only reliable way to do this would be to run your own server, right? Yeah. And, and then you get control over it. And then that becomes a cost for you. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, it's the same whereas, thing in, in Web3. Like, you know, exactly. yeah. And especially in the early days of Bitcoin, like people would have to, you know, businesses would run their own full node, right? Exactly. So, so, this, so this is basically one of the things where I was like, okay, if there is kind of like a, a decentralized solution coming up, for these centralized things when right now kind of like the social media space is ripe for decentralization pretty much blue sky uh, Noster, there's a bunch of them that are coming up and all of them are in this decentralized uh, uh, bandwagon right because you know they don't want uh, a billionaire to take it away in the future yeah Uh, so uh, (laughs) one of the things that you can kind of go in and say is hey uh yeah, all of these guys have this particular, these networks, but they haven't solved the self-sustaining part, right? The community yep. part. Yes. And, uh, you know, here's an opportunity for you to kind of maybe tie this into a distributed ledger <laughs> and and kind of uh, uh, off any type. I mean, uh, we don't even have to call it blockchain because some of these people, some, I mean, blockchains have a kind of a <laughs> reputation now. Yeah, you can call it yeah. whatever you wanted to it. But yeah. uh, here you have this kind of infrastructure already there in Web3 right. that allows you to not worry about the value part, uh, except for obviously the payment uh, in and out and conversion into uh, fiat currency. Right. Yeah. And then the, the last thing I add to that is that not all businesses should be run on this type of technology. Like not all of them are, are suited yeah. well to it. Right. Many businesses, um, you know, maybe, maybe social media is one of them where it's better to have a centralized, um, you know, service that hosts everything and you, you work on that or maybe not. Maybe mass, you know, maybe some, some new entrants in the market, uh, will actually be able to compete well, but, we do have frictions that need to be overcome and like, yeah, not every business model should be run here because some of them were expecting your users to pay per transaction. Um, definitely imposes a barrier that others don't have when they're centralized. True. Very true. Cool. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I, I kind of got a little carried away. Apologize. <laughs> uh, Can I just say like I'm dying for a decentralized Uber? Do, do you guys know if one exists? Yeah, but like, I don't see. There used to be one, I think it was called Laziz or something, right? Uh, Back in the day. Yeah, there were at least a couple of concept ones that, that, that yeah, yeah there, it was, maybe it was a concept and we got overexcited about it, but I remember <laughs> when I, uh, this is, this is, uh, this was, I think, uh, back when I was still in India, it was, uh, yeah. uh, I think, in the 2016-2017 time frame, there was uh, this idea uh, and a decentralized Uber, I mean, so if you take like uh, this kind of idea of a decentralized, it's a marketplace, right? Any right. kind of marketplace yes. is a great, uh, uh, you know, candidate for decentralization. Uh, uh, one of the things that I was looking at when I was doing the enterprise consulting thing was trade finance, right, where you have not very large suppliers, uh, sm- small banks and doing small loans to small time, uh, uh, small and medium enterprises, right? And and you kind of do uh, uh, these things where 
you know, you build a financial backbone to your supply chain mm-hmm. uh, problem. But yeah, anyway, that's uh, I'm again uh, I'm I'm in the danger of going on another rant out here. But uh, <laughs> no, just some things I, like seem pretty obvious. Like if if customers are already going to pay for some transaction, like taking a ride, why not just add that like microtransaction onto it, <laughs> right? For exactly, you know, broadcasting the request to the marketplace. Yeah, and and uh, it also kind of. Uh, makes it easier for so like for example Uber in Germany uh, has uh, uh, has set up a, a company because they had the, the German laws do not allow you to kind of for individuals to do this as a gig right mm-hmm. to, in order to be a taxi driver you need to be part of a taxi driving company and they created this shell company and and, and they're doing this um, because of that but I was kind of like thinking if it is decentralized, it, it gives opportunities for multiple companies to join, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't have to yeah. be just Uber. Oh, exactly right. Yeah. So, and maybe it could actually be best for the drivers. Who knows? And, exactly. And I don't want to be too idealistic. Obviously, it depends on the construction. Uh, cool. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm conscious of the time and I know that uh, you're, you've got a, a busy schedule. So, uh, uh, thanks a lot for talking to us, Rob. Uh, it's been an exciting hour. I'd like to also kind of <laughs> emphasize that uh, we talked, uh, we you introduced the fact that you're going to do this. Uh, Horizon is integrating into Cosmos, <laughs> which I'm very excited about. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So uh, thanks again for uh, spending the time. And uh, before we end, you know, I just want to mention again, Rob, we'll be posting the links to the Horizon website in the show notes. Great. But if there's anything you'd like to tell the audience before we close, any announcements, upcoming events, how to get involved, etc. I would or, say Discord. Well, I, I mean, our, our website that you think you post the link at, that's, that's the one-stop shop, but Discord's where the action happens, and I recommend anyone who's interested in this stuff, come join the chat. Like, start, just come in. You'll see uh, probably one thing that differentiates us is that we have a really, a really fun, cool, welcoming uh, community, and I'm really proud of that, probably even more so than our technology. So I just recommend everyone come, say hi, check it out, and, and hear what's going on. Awesome. Just want to say again, uh, it was great having you back on the show, Rob. I appreciate uh, it. Love chatting with you about how Horizon has grown as an ecosystem, uh, what the team is currently building. And uh, having your thoughts about the larger picture for crypto and blockchain going forward. So once again, thank you from both of us for being on the show. Guys, maybe in two years, I could have the honor of being the the third time guest on the show. (laughs) (laughs) It might happen sooner. It can happen sooner. If you got something interesting, do let us know. We'd be happy to have you earlier. (laughs) Uh, If we don't have anything interesting in two years, I need to be fired. So hopefully I do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Great talking to you, Rob. Thank you, guys. Likewise. Thanks. Once again, that was Rob Viglioni from Horizon Labs. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Also, you can learn more about us at bcdialogues.com. Thanks again for joining. See you next time.